الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا سبلنا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله قل اللهم مالك الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وعزيزنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم ومن يعصي الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا مبينا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه أيها المؤمنون We will begin this khutbah by quoting some hadiths from Allah's Prophet. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his. These are the types of hadiths that are buried in the books and virtually taken out of public circulation. For a simple purpose, they shed light on those who are responsible for injustice and oppression. The first hadith says, إن المقصتين عند الله على منابر من نور. Those who are responsible for social justice, those who do social justice, those who implement social justice, stand on. Pulpits of light in the vicinity of Allah. And the hadith goes on with some 
continuation another hadith says there are three types of people whose plea with Allah will never be rejected person who's observing his fast until he breaks his fast and a just leader a fair leader and the plea of a person who has been offended or oppressed يَرْفَعُهَا اللَّهُ فَوْقَ الْغَمَامِ وَيَفْتَحُ لَهَا أَبْوَابَ السَّمَاءِ Allah will raise da'wata al-mazloom above the spheres of earth and he will open for it the doors of the cosmos and the sustainer will say by my glory and grandeur I will most definitely come to your support even though it is after a period of time another hadith that today's capitulating speakers don't want people to listen to or think about Ahlul Jannati Thalatha people in Jannah are three categories Dhu Sultanin Muqsit a person who has power and behaves with social justice he gives of what he has and he gives it with success and a person who is gracious and tender-hearted he gives with his tender heart to those who relate to him and he himself he himself has family responsibilities has blood relationship responsibilities but he prefers others to his another hadith 
And these hadiths, as I say, because they will cause you and the thinking Muslim to ponder their practical meanings, they are not dwelled upon because they will lead to an area that has to be omitted from our public mind. This hadith says, Inna ahabba nasi ila Allahi yawma al qiyamah wa adnahu minhu majlisan imamun adil. The best person to Allah on the day of resurrection and the closest one to Him is a just leader. A leader who rules with justice. وَأَبْغَضُ النَّاسِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَأَبْعَدُهُمْ مِنْهُ مَجْلِسًا إِمَامٌ جَائِرٌ And the most disliked by Allah and the furthest one from him is a leader who is oppressive a leader who is offensive and a leader who rules violating all norms of justice imamun ja'ir now for some people who understand islam more through traditions than through their thinking mind they have difficulty combining the word Imam with Ja'ir. The Quran didn't have any difficulties. The, some ayat in the Quran they describe to us leaders that will lead to the fire. A'immatan yahduna ila nar. We should be a wake-up call for some of these who are smothered in traditionalism. Then there is this long hadith that I'm sure many of you have heard probably many times. سَبْعَةٌ يُظِلُّهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَوْمَ لَا ظِلَّ إِلَّا ظِلُّهُ There are seven who are going to be on the day of resurrection in the shades of Allah. And the first one is Imamun Adil. A ruler, a leader who reigns with justice. The other ones the other individuals here of the seven, many people speak about. They speak about A young person who grew up conforming to Allah. And a person whose heart is attached to the masajid. And masajid here doesn't necessarily mean as the traditional mind wants to dictate a materialist structure and the hadith goes on as you may know our 
purpose here is to shed light on our leaders. These hadiths demand of us to look, to watch, to observe, and to think about people who are making decisions for us. They have responsibilities, they are decision makers, they are officials, they are politicians, they are diplomats. And we can't spend our life omitting this central issue from the focus of our thoughts. The reason I introduced this khutbah with these lesser known hadiths is because today is a day that is today and this week are going to go down in history as the culmination of a grand capitulation by those who have burrowed into Islamic rituals when the core of them is located in Kafir structures. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Mujadila, ayah number 14, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ تَوَلَّوْا قَوْمًا غَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ Have you not taken notice of those who have allied themselves with A people a government that represents a people upon whom there is Allah's wrath Allah's upset with this power structure this government and then we have some of us who now are filling the airwaves with this relationship that they are embarking upon. Alam tara ila ladina tawallaw qawman ghadiballahu alayhim mahum minkum wala minhum. These and let me bring the ayat down to the real world. These Saudi decision makers who have entered into an alliance with those who have incurred Allah's anger, it's obvious the policies of this land, the land that we are in, 
the decision makers there, they are here in Washington, they have to go far. They are responsible for incurring Allah's revenge. And what do our quote unquote pious Muslim leaders, what do they do? They enter in this into this arrangement that now they have out in the open. It's not like it wasn't there, but now it has come so obviously out for us to see. And Allah says to us, describing this arrangement, Mahum minkum wala minhum. These types they no longer belong to you and they are not even part of those who right now they have contracted this relationship. Lahum minkum wala minhum. Remember there's another ayah in the Quran that says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. لا تتخذ اليهود والنصارى أولياء بعضهم أولياء بعض ومن يتولهم منكم فإنه منهم. So we have two types of people who are entering into this arrangement. They seek protection and survival from those who are at odds with Allah. The ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah tells us specifically those who are at odds with Allah. The, in today's language, that would be the Zionists and the imperialists. In this ayah in Surah Al-Mujadila, the description of the superior powers to which these inferior Muslims are running for protection is a general description. The word Zionists and imperialists is not specified in the ayah. وَيَحْلِفُونَ عَلَى الْكَذِبِ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ These surface Muslims, they use the most solemn language. Listen to them in their propaganda, in their official statements. They will use the most solemn statements and words And they are lying and they know it. وَيَحْلِفُونَ عَلَى الْكَذِبِ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا Allah has prepared for them a severe penalty. 
إِنَّهُمْ سَاءَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ The reason for that is because they have obviously done the wrong thing. And يَعْمَلُونَ here, it's not the word يَفْعَلُونَ the word يَعْمَلُونَ, the word عَمِلَ in the Qur'an is inclusive of what a person says and what a person does. What a government says and what a government does. اتَّخَذُوا أَيْمَانَهُمْ The pledges that they have verbalized to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first pledge is is what? they bear witness that there is no deity or authority except Allah اتَّخَذُوا أَيْمَانَهُمْ جُنَّةً that has become their camouflage they cover themselves with that فَصَدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ To do for what reason? To divert away from a from the course of Allah, from the cause of Allah. فَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ مُهِينٌ Their torment will be a humiliating one. And as if the ayah speaks exactly to their condition today, as it goes on to say, لَن تُغْنِيَ عَنْهُمْ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا Their riches and wealth, their children and tribes, that's not going to be of any benefit for them when it comes to Allah. The reckoning with Allah. أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ They are the companions of the fire. Wherein to abide forever. Another ayah. In this ayah is Al-Anfal 36. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ لِيَصُدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَسَيُنْفِقُونَهَا ثُمَّ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسْرَةً وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى جَهَنَّمَ يُحْشَرُونَ Those who are in denial of Allah's power and authority very important for these words to be synonymous with the word kafara. Throw out those archaic Judeo-Christian irrelevant choice of words. There's no such thing as disbeliever or heathen or infidel. Never use it in your Islamic statements. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ لِيَصُدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They are spending their money to divert 
and to retard from a course towards Allah فَسَيُنْفِقُونَهَا They're going to spend it. ثُمَّ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِمْ حَسْرًا That act of theirs of spending to deflect from Allah's power and authority is going to become a hasra. It's going to become a deeply felt regret in their psychology. And in time, they will be defeated. These types of kafirs, they will be assembled in Jahannam. Now you want more than that as an introductory for us to speak about these individuals who make decisions for hundreds of millions of Muslims in the world. I want to say before I begin this brief idea, I want to say to us Islam is sacred but Islamic history is not sacred this is extremely important to realize and to have it sink into your heart and into your mind Islam is sacred the Quran the Prophet Islamic history is not sacred. The kings, the dynasties, the injustice in this history is not sacred. Today we have a burst of madness coming out of people who have considered Islamic history to be sacred. They, they, they did the wrong thing. Let us take a critical, this is not easy to do. Let us take a critical look at this Daishi ISIS phenomenon. You know, many people today, they say this is a result or a production or a contraption of imperialism and Zionism and etc. Now there's no doubt these are involved in this. But before we have the current day Zionism and imperialism and the issues of today, let us go back to our own history, ask ourselves, in our history, which is not sacred, I have to repeat this because there's a lot of traditions that are in the way. Who were the people who destroyed the Kaaba? Were they the Byzantines? Were they the Persians? Who were they? The Kaaba once in our history was destroyed. There was an attempt by Abraha from the Habasha 
the year the Prophet was born, Amalfin, to destroy the Kaaba. It didn't work. It was not destroyed. Allah protected it. But when we ourselves, this is our history, when we went to Mecca, fought against ourselves, ransacked the Kaaba, who did that? Where did this come from? Didn't it come from our history? How can our history be sacred? Our legitimate rulers, when we had, we only had a few legitimate rulers. How did they die? The second successor to Allah's Prophet was assassinated. Where did this come from? Who assassinated him? The Zionists? The imperialists? Where did it come from? The third successor to Allah's Prophet was assassinated. Who did it? The Zionists? The imperialists? Or did it come from our own selves? Al-Imam Ali, who assassinated him? The imperialists? The Zionists? It came from a dark psychology inside of our Islamic history. Who slaughtered the 72 or so shuhada with Al-Imam Al-Hussein in Karbala? Who did that? Isn't there something inside of our own history that begs for our constructive criticism without hate? Some people, they enter into this area and then they spew hate. We don't need that. There's enough of it around. We don't want people contributing to it. Before these incidents, in the time of Allah's Prophet, there's something wrong with Arabians. When Hamza became a Shaheed, wasn't his body mutilated? By whom? These were the ones who were to become later on the Johnny-come-lately Muslims. Wasn't his liver taken and chewed? By whom? If it wasn't these types of Arabians who later on hid behind the rituals of Islam. When there was this Umawi assault on Al-Madina, there were 1,000 Ibn Kathir. Go back to Ibn Kathir. 1,000 Muslim women got pregnant by this invading force. Where did this happen? Where did this come from? If there's not a dark side of this history that has to be dealt with with maturity, with inclusiveness, with honesty, and with transparency. It's the only way we're going to overcome this this doesn't mean that 
there were no equivalents to Zionists and imperialists 1400 years ago, of course there was. And there are going to be their equivalents 1400 years from now, from the past to the future. These dynamics are always at work. But we can't come and say we don't have our faults. We do. And it's a shame on us that we don't study our own faults and remedy them instead of adding insult to injury like some people are prone to do. When the Umawi dynasty attacked the opposition in Al-Hijaz, didn't their own horses and camels and these types of beasts, didn't they enter Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi? And then in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi, these beasts did it in Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi. By who? If it's not from this dark, these dark corners of our psychology. Wasn't it one of these governors of Yazid who forcefully took the bay'ah from the muhajireen and the ansar and consider them chattel to Yazid? Our history, brothers and sisters. This is our common history. What do you do? A Sahabi, Hajir ibn Adi, was killed by the Umawi, the first Umawi ruler, because he refused to curse or condemn Al-Imam Ali. Part of our history. Let's clean this up. Let the minds catch up with the lessons that we still haven't learned. These same dynastic rulers, they cut off the head of Amr ibn al-Hamq al-Khaza'i and they threw his head into the chambers of his wife. This is Islamic. When, you, when, when some people speak about Daesh today, these types of Muslims, we still don't say they're Kafirs because they're not in the Shari, legalistic, literal sense to be considered Kafirs. Meaning that we go out there, kill them like they are doing with the rest of the Muslims. Another person, Hassan ibn Hassan al-Bakri. He was buried alive because he refused to say, I am innocent from what Ali ibn Abi Talib is doing. Isn't it part of our, our own history that these people don't want you see the problem is when you begin to bring up these issues in a calculated, mature, inclusive. The key word here is inclusive. Don't lose sight of this. When you bring up this issue in an inclusive manner, even though this is history, nothing is but it's gonna cause people who are looking at leaders in history to look at leaders today. And they don't want that to happen. So they bury this history. 
wasn't there a prize for the head of Ammar ibn Yasir, dead or alive? Where did this come from? If we don't have this disease inside of us, This disease or pathology was a carryover from the days and the attitudes and the culture of Jahiliyyah. Compare or contrast what happened to committed Muslims after the Prophet with what happened to committed Muslims during the Prophet. Wasn't it Abu Jahl who took a spear and plunged it into the private part of Sumayya and killed her. Speak about Daesh. Let us not think in a fragmented manner. Let's try to consolidate this psychology and this history. So there's no longer any gaps that the troublemakers can come through. I ask you, who fought against Allah's Prophet? Who expelled Allah's Prophet? Who was responsible for pursuing the descendants of Allah's Prophet? Who are these who hid behind Islamic rituals when they were in violation of everything the word justice and fairness means. Who were those who excommunicated Allah's Prophet in the Shi'ab of Mecca? Who were they? Can we lose sight that culture of hatred, exclusion, revenge, hostility that was covered over by Islamic rituals. We can't look at the issues as they rotate around justice or injustice. When the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we are going to act like Bani Israel, well, we can see it. If a person just has an open mind, you can see that, uh-uh, we're doing this all over again. Then there's, there's, of course, there's a counter argument to this. Okay, who were those who supported Allah's Prophet? Weren't they from the same people? Absolutely. Abu Bakr and Omar and Ammar and Imam Ali and the rest of these, they were also from Allah's people. But here, there is an issue of quantity quantity numbers those who supported Allah's Prophet were not the many they were the few those who put him through the arduous lifetime that he had to live were those who were never divorced from their pre-Islamic norms or culture or traditions
Brothers and sisters, there's more to say. I'm running out of time. Maybe, inshallah, I'll try to finish some of this in the week to come. أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم دعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى والتقى Now let's come down to the real world having referenced ourselves in the book of Allah and in the teachings of his Prophet. Listen today, the Imam in the Haram in Mecca. One of the things he said in the khutbah in Mecca, على قادة الأمة العربية والإسلامية ألا يضيعوا فرصة الاجتماع المبارك مع ترامب. This comes out in English something like this: The leaders of the Arab and Muslim Ummah should not. Have this opportunity slip them. The opportunity of this blessed meeting with Trump. This is from Mecca, from the Haram. Who are they welcoming over there? A person who insulted the Muslims? Who has legal professionals around him trying to twist and bend laws and statutes that make it almost hard and impossible for a Muslim to feel that he is an equal human being in American society. And he's getting this royal reception. President is leaving Washington today. You watch. The media is all over the place. Watch that royal reception. One of the persons who wanted to attend, they say there are 50 nation states that are going to be present there, represented by at different levels. Heads of state or ministers or ambassadors, whatever. They say there's 50 that are going to be there. There's going to be three summits. The first summit is a bilateral one between the United States and Saudi Arabia. The second summit is a Gulf Cooperation Summit. The Council of Gulf, Gulf Cooperation. They're going to be on one side and the U.S. on the other side. And the third, the third summit is going to be Trump and those who are with him meeting with all of the rest who are representing this Saudi policy and strategy to do what Daesh has been doing, but this time to give it more of an official, more of a legitimate, more of an international aura. 
One of those who want, wanted to attend was the president of Sudan. They said, no, you can't come. Well, why can't I come? I want to be with you guys. You can't come because there's a warrant. Interpol has a warrant on the president of Sudan, even though he wants to come. And that warrant was initiated here in Washington. No, you can't come. You stay at home. How far, how inferior can we get? Just this past week, and you can see the fence right there, there's an iron fence in front of the Turkish embassy. The president of Turkey was in town last week. There were these demonstrations and clashes and people, uh, individuals had to go to the hospital and the rest of this. And there was a chill, a meeting that was chilled in the White House, 22 minutes between the head of state from Turkey and the head of state here in the United States. Described in other words, it was a total failure, that meeting that took place here. We don't know whether the Turks are going to finally come of age, political age or not. The, the Saudi ambassador used to be here in Washington, D.C., declared war against Yemen from Washington, D.C., now the foreign minister there. He says, we will not impose the Islamic dress on Melania Trump when she comes, because obviously she's accompanying her husband, and he says, he, they, don't, they will not tell her to dress modestly in that kingdom that's supposed to be the land of the Prophet and the birthplace of Islam. A couple of weeks ago, one of these Saudis, the rich, one of these rich princes, he goes, this is the area, brothers and sisters, they don't want you to think about. Are you coming with Islamic words and Islamic ideas into areas that are considered royal or considered above the law? No, so what, yeah, we want to do that. We want to take our Islamic thinking minds in every sphere of the human of human activity. If a Saudi prince goes to Egypt, like he did a couple of weeks ago, and he wants to propose to his fiance, Egypt is a failing state. Even one of its close allies, Israel, one of its think tanks, just yesterday came out with a study that said, in fact, Egypt is a failing state. People are poor. And this prince comes and he rents the vicinity of the pyramids. And he pay and everything that goes with renting that, the servants and the services and the, he pays $40 million to propose to his fiancée in a land that is plagued with poverty and a government that is on the ropes. And we're not supposed to see any of this. We're supposed to say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, well, you know, he, he'll let these mean get away with what they are doing. Yeah, he'll let them if you close your mind. Your mind is as absent to these facts 
as the awaited Mahdi is absent from his physical presence. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah. Wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinaabah. Wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna. Wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama. Allahumma ahdina fiman hadayt. Wa'afina fiman afayt. Wa'tawallana fiman tawallayt. وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله